This is Book TV's Afterwards podcast. This week, Pulitzer Prize-winning Washington Post reporter Mary Jordan discusses her book, The Art of Her Deal. The book focuses on the life and influence of First Lady Melania Trump. She's interviewed by USA Today Washington Bureau Chief Susan Page. Hey, Mary, it's great to talk to you. You too, Susan. How are you? I'm good. So do you, it seems to me that Melania Trump is the most mysterious first lady we've ever had in modern times. The one we know the least about. Do you think that's true? I certainly do. I mean, that's why I set out to do this, because I thought that there was just this strange void of facts, information. Um, And during the 2016 campaign, I remember turning to the editor in the newsroom, I work at the Washington Post, and saying, you know, if Donald Trump wins, his wife um, is an immigrant. You know, especially at that time, he was having a rally that day, you know, railing about uh, the wall and keeping immigrants out. So I started making calls, and, and I just, it was just shocking how little was known about basic biographical information. Well, Donald Trump has been in the public eye forever, it seems like. Why do we know so little about Melania? Well, there's a a bunch of reasons, but one, um, she only arrived in America at at 26, so I had to travel to her her native country, Slovenia, which is a small country carved out of the former Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia, when she was there, um, was a socialist country, didn't have great archives. It imploded right around the time that she left, Um, you know, the Bosnian War, that whole Balkan area was engulfed in in conflict. Uh, Also, she um, wants it that way. When I was going around, it was very interesting how many people had said, oh, I got a call that said, don't talk to anybody. She really has, I mean, she's really made a brand out of being the enigmatic, mysterious Melania. You know, and I think one effect of that is that people make a lot of assumptions about her that you discovered by doing actual reporting turn out not to be true. Talk about some of those. You know, I think because we didn't see her um, on the campaign trail, we kind of dismissed her as she's not a player. Well, it turns out that even though you don't see her and you certainly don't hear her, that she does have influence with her husband. And during the campaign, many people, like, you know, former campaign managers would say that after a rally, Trump would get in the car and the very first call he'd make was, okay, how did I do? What do you think? You know, and then she would give him advice about what was resonating, what wasn't, what he could drop. And she also was kind of a cheerleader behind the scenes, telling him as one person after another said, she would say, let Trump be Trump. You know, she admires his connection to people. I think one of the reasons she admires that is it's hard for her to do public speaking. You know, English is not her first language. Well, that's one of the interesting things you discovered as well. There have been many stories written that says that Melania Trump, like many Europeans, is fluent in multiple languages, what, four languages. You found that that is possibly not correct. Well, all I could find, basically, it's very clear to me that there is no um, evidence of that. And because it was such a key part 
of her resume, you know, I was just going through and checking things and I just wanted proof. I wanted documents. I wanted tapes. Um, so I even asked the white house, um, you know, there's a, there's a couple of tapes online where she's in Italy and then another one in France where she speaks for very short time with little kids like toddlers. And she says things like bambino and, you know, hello, but it's not a fluency. Um, so I said, you know, I can't find anything online. Could you send it? And, and there was radio silence from the White House. So then, um, because she has had a lot of foreign trips on, and opportunities, like she's traveled as First Lady. She met the Pope. She's met Italian figures. She certainly met the French president and his wife. So I would just went around. It took months and months and asked everybody, okay, you know, did you have private conversations with her? And at least in the dozens of interviews that I did, nobody said that she did. Now, can I say she doesn't do this? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it is very, very noticeable that there is no evidence of that. And meantime, Jackie Kennedy in the 60s, way before iPhones made it easy to have video, you can find um, Jackie Kennedy online, tapes of her giving it a long address in both French and she gave a speech in Spanish. So it just seemed fair to say, hey, you know, tell me about this because it's a key part of your resume. You know, you, um, you've been a re- very experienced reporter. You've won the Pulitzer Prize, covered all kinds of stories. Was, have, was the White House pretty cooperative with you in doing this book or could you compare it with some <laughs> of the other people you've, uh, you've done reporting on? Well, you know, I think uh, I've been a foreign correspondent. Um, I worked in three continents. I was abroad for 15 years. Uh, I've written about drug cartels. I've actually interviewed the head of the mob in Japan, the Yakuza, not easy to get to, uh, drug leaders in prison, um, and nothing, nothing compared to how difficult it was to get uh, Melania Trump real information. I had a, for instance, when I did interview her during the campaign, I had to be vetted by her husband, who was a little bit busy running for for president. I just thought it was very interesting right then when I asked for an interview that I was directed to talk to him first. And Uh, when you talked to him first, what what did he want to know about you? I mean, it wasn't exactly said that way. It was just, I asked for an interview for Melania, and all of a sudden they said, well, Mr. Trump would like to see you. So I got on the train. I live in Washington, and I went um, to Trump Tower. This is during the campaign. He's pretty busy. And I remember walking into that office in Trump Tower, and, you know, he had about 100 magazines on his desk. Every single one of them had a picture of himself on them. And then he had the walls lined with, uh, photos of himself and some there were so many there was an overflow and it was leaning against the wall and I, I said oh I didn't know you were moving I mean it was such a mess that I thought he was moving and he said no 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 never never trust um, anybody with a tidy desk and so the, it was a bizarre yet very Trumpian conversation where he had a little um uh, television on his desk, his very messy desk that he's very proud of, watching the Masters Golf Tournament. So he would talk about that. He would turn back to me. He would talk about Jared. He would talk about, and then in comes Jared. You know, he, he's very um, 
he, he speaks in tangents and there's not a lot of linear thought, but he did say, um, you know, I asked him about Melania and he, and he said only great things about her. And then apparently I got the green light because I spoke to his wife afterwards. You know, it's interesting. Melania Trump has done very few interviews. Um, she did do the interview with you during the campaign, but she wouldn't do it in person. Is that right? It was by phone? Even then, um, you know, even then she, she only did it by phone. I spoke to, to her for 44 minutes. And normally you don't ever say 44 minutes, but that's a long time for her to talk to someone. And she's, what's so interesting about her is she has one heck of a story to tell. Um, I mean, think of it. She was 26 years old when she first arrived in the United States. And 20 years later, 2016, she's heading to the White House. Incredible story, right? She grew up very modestly in a socialist country in a modest apartment, her mom worked in a factory, and now she's married to a rich guy and living in the White House. And so you, I think it's like, it's really kind of hard to understand why she doesn't want to be more forthcoming. Um, it's not her nature. I think that she has read all of the Donald Trump books and she does, her branding is exactly opposite his. You know, Trump, became Trump because he never stopped talking. He was in every magazine. He put his name on every building. There was, you know, Trump steak and Trump buildings and Trump magazines. Um, and she's the opposite. I think she knew that she wasn't comfortable in the public eye, but she is as extreme in her own secretive duck the questions, um, stay silent as he is, you know, go in front of the camera. In fact, you say that, uh, that Ivanka Trump had a nickname for her as the portrait. And I'm sure that reflects that she was always beautifully dressed and poised, but not, but silent. And that Melania Trump called Ivanka Trump the princess. Yeah. And to be clear, they didn't use those words to their faces. <laughs> that was, <laughs> but I thought, you know, young, this was when Ivanka was kind of young. Um, she was a teenager and her uh, dad started going out, had been divorced now twice. He was still in the middle of the divorce with Marla Maples when he took up with Melania. And, you know, Ivanka said, oh my God, to, to you know, she, she talks about as much as a painting on the wall. And then they started calling her the portrait. Um, Ivanka and Melania, both former models, could not be more different. It's it's not, you know, a big surprise that they don't get along. Yeah. So let's go back to her, Melania's origins. You know, her parents continue to be enormously important in her lives. Uh, you can you can tell that. She's, they live nearby. She spends lots of time with them. Tell us about her mother and father. I am most fascinated by um, her mother, Amalia. Um, she's the most important person, according to everyone I talked to, by far the most important person in Melania's life. She's with her most days that Melania is in the White House. Amalia is right there. She cooks. She takes care of Baron. She's the right hand and the left hand to Melania. That's what a friend of, of hers told me. Um, Amalia is fascinating because she grew up, you know, World War II was tearing Europe apart and her family had to flee what was then Yugoslavia. And 
she was beautiful. She was stylish. She was a talented seamstress. She worked in this, um, this building that I went into. It was a former monastery. And then when um, the communist dictator, Joseph Tito, took over after World War II, he kind of took all the Catholic and other church land and nationalized it. So it was a state factory that made clothes. And um, Amalia worked there for three decades. And because she didn't have a college degree or the right degree, she didn't really get paid or recognition for the talent she had. But everyone in town said, oh, she was the most stylish. And that when um, Melania was little and Melania's sister Ines, that they had clothes, handmade clothes that put them apart. And that was important in a time when everybody was the same. You know, every building seemed to be the color of a storm cloud. Every, if you were a family of one size, that meant that was the same size of an apartment you got. Everybody went to the government-owned vacation homes. So to stand apart, to look beautiful, to have handmade clothes, you know, everybody remembered the mother and what she did for the kids. You went to this place, to this town where she grew up. What do they think about Melania? Is there, is, is there, are there Melania gift shops and, uh, and trinkets to buy, souvenirs? No. First of all, her hometown is gorgeous. It reminds me of Ireland, actually. It's all green. Um, it's a small country. So Slovenia is only 2 million people. Seonitsa, her little town, is pretty small. I mean, it, it, doesn't, it had one hotel, and that hotel opened because of Melania, that people were coming to it. Uh, about 50,000 people. It's got, you know, trees. It's, you know, people have, you know, have their own bees. It's a very kind of right outside the rim. It's all green and lush and, uh, and lovely. People there are divided, like in the, in the United States, and it's pretty much because of her husband. You know, there's a lot of people in pretty much every country, including our own, that either loathe Donald Trump or love him. And that has filtered down. It's hard for her to escape that. So there's a lot of division over there. And I think in addition to that, there is quite a lot of disappointment that she doesn't speak about her country more. And that translates there as, why, you know, why doesn't she? Is she embarrassed? Or uh, I just, I think that it's telling that the most famous Slovenian in America is a basketball player for the Mavericks, Luka Doncic, right? And it's not, it's not Melania. Isn't that incredible? I mean, you know, Luka, 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 the, the basketball superstar is the, the most famous and certainly the most written about in Slovenian media. One of the things you write about in the book that was, I thought was so interesting was that there were various people who were important to Melania at earliest, earlier stages in her life, in her childhood, earlier in her career, and yet she doesn't seem to have kept up with them. Uh, she doesn't seem to have kept a network of friends from her life. Is that, is that true? And, and what, if so, why do you think that's happened? Well, it is one of the facts of her life that it's almost like she took a big eraser, and when one chapter was done, it's gone. Um, childhood friends said, you know, there was a little girl who 
very close to. They were in matching high rises and they played every day. That woman is now an artist, a, a very talented woman. And she said that as soon as Melania went to the capital of Slovenia, that was it. She, you know, and many other people tell the same story. Photographer who would help her get her pictures when she was 21 said that was it. She just kept moving on. She never looked back, never talked to the past. And, you know, that made it easy when she met Trump because Trump was not interested in her past. Trump is interested in Trump, as many people have told me. Heard that same phrase over and over. And that one of the reasons that Trump uh, divorced his second wife, Marla Maples, is that she was always having people around, her mother, her father, cousins. Well, Melania does have her mother and father, but they're super quiet. I mean, the public doesn't even really know about them. And she certainly has not brought people from her past in. It was striking that at her wedding, 99.9% .9 of the guests were people that she had met through Donald Trump. So you told us about her mom, her father is still around and an important figure. Tell us about him. Her father is um, really close to Barron. Uh, you know, Donald Trump likes to golf, but Barron likes to play soccer. And Melania's father, Victor, um, is a great soc soccer fan. Um, Barron speaks Slovenian to his grandparents. And um, the father, you know, in, in, there's lots of cartoons in Slovenia about how much Donald looks like Melania's father, Victor. Uh, they're both a bit, you know, they're not thin. <laughs> um, and they both are about the same age. Uh, Victor used to be a really good looking guy. You know, now he's in his, his 70s. He's, he's more outspoken. Um, and, you know, I talked to his buddies in Slovenia um, and they said, you know, he, he was a car buff growing up. He was brilliant with cars. He could you know, take apart and put together a car. He, he repaired cars. He was a chauffeur. Um, he was a chauffeur for a mayor in the town. Uh, he had the nicest car in town. He loved Mercedes. Well, think of it. Here's this guy who was a chauffeur and for a little time at a tiny little shop after the country became independent and left socialism. Think of it like the former chauffeur, you know, is now being driven by the Secret Service has, you know, all the cars he wants. It's really an amazing story. You know, you, you talked about how Melania Trump rarely talks about her native country, and that's certainly true. But I was surprised to learn in the art of her deal that she has joint citizenship, continues to have joint citizenship, and that Bear and her son has joint citizenship why has she maintained joint citizenship and why did she make sure her son had it as well? Well, I think this is super interesting because yet again, you know, I think it's interpreted by many um, in Europe that she doesn't talk about the old days because she doesn't care about them. That is never the case with Melania. She's for sure more complicated and nuanced than people give her credit for. Um, she did that. I am sure, and according to those who um, spoke with her, to give her son options. You know, if you have um, Slovenian citizenship, which Barry's entitled to, 
and the passport, that makes a lot of things easier. First of all, he can work freely in all of Europe much more easily. It's, it's as if like somebody coming from another country to the U.S. right now, it's tough to get for a foreigner, mainly because of her husband, it's gotten more tough to get a job. So if he wants to go start a Paris Bureau of Trump Org or a Slovenian Bureau, it's much easier for him. And it just gives him more options. Um, and I think she also likes that he speaks Slovenian. He has a Slovenian passport. Uh, you know, she, she, there was this amazing press conference, and I found the video and talked to everybody in the room that day who's still alive. There was only one person of all these journalists who met her in 1998 um, in Paris, where she had a rare day where all day long she was talking to journalists. And I spent months tracking down everyone there to hear what she had to say, because it was a rare time when she was so outspoken, there was no Trump anywhere, it was Melania. This was Melania, center stage. One of the things she kept talking about was, someone asked her, well, would you, she kept saying, I love New York. And someone said, would you like to get US citizenship? And she said, yes, because it's more options, more opportunities. And you know, she is a mama bear with her son. And she was just giving more options and more opportunities by getting him the citizenship and the passport. It's easier for him to get a job. It's easier for him to set up a business. It's easier for him to inherit land. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's Mama Bear, I think, just giving options to her son. It's really, though, quite remarkable. The First Lady of the United States and her American-born son have joint citizenship. I'm just quite sure that has never happened before. We've only had one. First lady before who was born abroad, and that was Louisa, Louisa Adams, and that was quite a while ago. And that was England. It wasn't, you know, a socialist country. And, and Malana is the only first lady who didn't, for, whose first language is not English. Um, now, you talked about how protective she is of her son, Baron, which of course we can all understand. Um, but the story, the disclosure in your very dishy book that has gotten the most attention is her efforts to renegotiate her prenup after the election in 2016, which had a lot to do with Barron. That was just really an explosive story. Tell us about that. Well, you know, Donald Trump uh, has written in his many, many books has certainly said this in TV interviews that any rich guy who doesn't get a prenup is a loser. Stupid, I think was the word he also used. So we knew that they had a prenup. Um, in fact, Melania was on TV around the time of the wedding and said yes, that they had a prenup. So we knew that and we also know that Trump is very, thinks that he's the greatest negotiator in the world. Um, in, in his book, uh, The Art of the Deal, he talks about why he is such a good negotiator. And he says, you know, I know how to get leverage. Leverage is when you have what somebody else wants or better yet, can't do without. So here's Melania, who by all accounts of those many people that I talked to, did not get a very good deal because Trump drove a hard bargain in that prenup. And we know that his first two wives had said publicly that they had asked and wanted more than they got. So 
she waits. She's a chess player, a long game player. And politics has been great for the leverage table for Melania Trump. Because once he went into the public arena, he needed her in a new way. For instance, they were negotiating their prenup um, during the famous hand swat on the tarmac in Israel. That was in 2017. The negotiations were going on then, and it was very noticeable that she seemed not very cuddly with him. Um, the hand swat that went around the world, and she stayed in New York. And so all of those things um, showed that she knows how to make a deal and that she's a darn good deal maker. She would not call it you know, making a deal. What she said was, um, I want to do this to make sure that bearing is treated as equally as the oldest three children. The oldest three being Ivanka, Eric, and Don Jr., who are the ones who are mostly front and center in Trump world, who work at Trump org and get a lot more attention than um, Tiffany is child with Marla Maples or Barron. And so she, it works, right? I mean, she's- It works. She, you know, I, I don't have the specific, I was told that it was more than money she wanted. She wanted to make sure that Barron had a stake and, it, and was treated equally, uh, especially because the older three uh, children now have their children, you know, and there's a lot more Trump heirs. Uh, Melania is 50, uh, Donald Trump is 24 years older, um, Baron is still only 14. Um, I, I've been fascinated by the cartoons that people are drawing because of the book and, and, and all about the prenup, you know, and they have things about Eric Trump now working for Baron Trump um, because Melania, um, in the long run, as quiet as she was, you know, always watch the quiet ones, um, did get, according to three different people I talked to, a far better deal. So here's a big question, and it's a hard question because marriages are mysterious things. But you've spent all this time doing research, doing thinking about Melania and Donald Trump. What do you think is the nature of their attraction? What is the strength and quality of their marriage? You know, like you said, Susan, um, you know, love is complicated. I think. Trump love is really complicated, uh, but I am told and I've seen um, that when they first got together, there was a, a real connection there. I think it was real. It's not, you know, he admires her um, because she's a lot of things he is not. You know, she's cool. When she gets angry, she doesn't scream or do something impulsive. She just walks away. He loves her cool. And she admires him. She admires what he's able to do. She admires his connection to people. Um, you know, they're, they're both really distrustful of most people. They both um, like the same things in some ways. They both value image. They both value beautiful things, wealthy things. I mean, they both like a lot of the same things. Um, I think that they actually have a lot more in common than people think. Um, and they are, they, they're a really tight unit, um, you know, family, Trump, Trump, Trump. 
And for her, it's her family. It's her mother, her father, and Baron, a very tight group, and very few other penetrate and really know the real inner person. But I, you know, I think that their relationship clearly um, has hit rocks at different times. It's been up and down. They've been together for 22 years. I have a lot in the book about this, um, but she was furious uh, after the revelations about his infidelity, uh, embarrassed to no end as she was reading about Stormy Daniels and Kieran McDougall um, and Access Hollywood. Uh, but she has an extraordinary capacity to kind of figure out, okay, what's my next best move? Somebody who's known her for a long time was saying, you know, she always thinks that way. She doesn't do anything in a hurry. And did she get more from walking away from Trump or staying with him? That's how she thinks. Well, do you think those disclosures were, they were certainly embarrassing. Do you think they were surprising to her? Many, several key people told me that she learned new details from all those press reports. She did not know the details. I, f I find it hard to believe that she didn't know. Um, she knew, ex you know, that, that something was going on. But um, I'm pretty clear that the details and the publicity about it. You know, she has a son. It was, it was the news was everywhere. She hates how he talks. The, that Access Hollywood tape was where he was talking, caught on tape. Tens of millions of people heard him say really gross, lewd things about I'm a star, I can grab any woman I want. Um, highly embarrassing. She doesn't know that. Like, she didn't know that tape existed. She didn't know really all that she was going to be in for when they went into politics. But at that moment, and that was a crucial moment, she could have blown up his presidential ambitions by publicly rebuking him, walking away. It was, that was a perilous time for Donald Trump during the 2016 campaign, but she didn't. She stood by him. Uh, do you, what's your sense about why, why she did that? Well, there's a great, um, you know, there's a vivid scene in, in the book about this because the Trump was in Trump Tower with Hope Hicks, Chris Christie, Bannon, you know, the whole inner circle. It's one month to the November 2016 election. And they hit play and the room listens to that Access Hollywood tape and just... Trump was getting red from here on up. And he, everybody, you know, some people thought the campaign was dead there. Other people were moving quickly into, um, okay, how are we going to spin this? But it was pretty clear pretty quickly that Trump was really just worried about Melania because he knew that if she didn't stand by him right then, that why would female voters, right? It was a close race. Hillary Clinton was going to be the first woman president. And without her backing him up, um, you know, I think in a close election, I mean, he didn't even win most votes. He just won the key states. And, and you know, 10,000 votes in one state made a difference in some cases. So I went to Pennsylvania right after that because Melania spoke. Okay, Pennsylvania was the the key ground. And it was, in the end, one on less than, way less, a fraction of 1%. So they sent Melania out there and she stood up to a crowd. It was a daytime crowd, it was mostly women in the crowd, and vouched for him. And he won Pennsylvania. And I think nobody would dispute in that campaign how important she was at that moment. 
you know, just her presence made a difference in the campaign at that moment. But you write about other ways in which she had influence uh, over Donald Trump, including some of the most fundamental decisions, who to choose as a running mate, that Melania's voice was an important one when he was thinking about that. What, what did she do? What influence did she have on that decision? Well, again, I think this is why people underestimate her because you don't see her. She, she famously doesn't go into the West Wing. She stays in the First Lady's quarters um, in the East Wing of the White House or in, or in their even more you know, quiet residential parts. But she's on the phone and he has brought in candidates for key jobs in the administration and they're mostly run through her. And the reason because he, he doesn't really trust that many people and he, he thinks she has good instincts. So for instance, during the campaign, um, when he was trying to figure out who to pick for vice president, uh, the last three were former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and Mike Pence. She spent two days with the Pences um, in July of 2016 and after, and she knew Christy for a long time, and she had met Ginrich, and it was talk about, oh, maybe it's going to be Ginrich because he really needs help on the, on Capitol Hill. And, you know, there's all this speculation. But the people, again, that I spoke with who were right in the middle of this said, once Melania said to Donald, Pence is your guy because he will be content to be a number two and not be gunning for your job like the other two alphas. One of the people who was telling me said that, you know, she thought the other two were alphas and that, and that Pence would be just content to be vice president. So it's interesting to me that she both thought that, but also knows how to present her argument to Trump in a way that's appealing. Because as Anthony Scaramucci told me, you know, Trump, likes to be the star and he doesn't like co-stars. Um, and again, that was a very appealing way to present the vice presidential candidate. He didn't want a co-star. You know, sometimes, uh, and I think this happens less often now than it used to, but sometimes people say, why do we care about first ladies? Why should we pay any attention to first ladies? Uh, why does it matter to know something about the first lady? And so if someone said that to you, what would you say to them? Why should we care? about Melania Trump. Can I ask somebody, um, call a lifeline here, somebody who knows <laughs> a lot about First Ladies, who's written a marvelous book called The Matriarch. Uh, Susan, you have know a lot about this subject, and I'm going to answer, but I'd love to hear from you. She wrote um, Matriarch about um, the George Bush's wife, uh, Barbara Bush, um, and a terrific book that answers this question. So you first, and then I'll go. <laughs> You know, um, for, for Barbara Bush, I think part of it was the era in which she grew up and when she was in the center stage. She grew, you know, she was born in 1925. Uh, women did not, you know, it was before the second feminist wave. Women did not have the opportunities they have now. Women were often not taken as seriously. She was, Barbara Bush was very accustomed and comfortable wielding significant influence behind the scenes. Um, and I think some of that has changed. And once we have a first husband instead of a first wife, maybe that'll change more. Do you find that that attitude prevails even now 
does it prevail even with Melania Trump, a tendency not to recognize the influence that they can have? Well, I, I think that if we write about a cabinet member, we sure should be writing about whoever it is, whether it's kitchen cabinet or, you know, we should be writing about who is influencing one of the most powerful people, if not the most powerful person in the world. So to say she's not consequential, I think that misses the point. She's also a historic figure. I mean, there are not that many women in all of history who live in the White House command. It's a taxpayer building, one of the most public in the world. She has a staff, taxpayer-funded staff of 100. Who is this person? Uh, she has a platform that potentially can do a lot. Now, her influence so far has not been on the Be Best platform. It's been behind the scenes, harder to see. But I, I think that the reason we're interested is it sheds light on who the president is. And also, it's very, I think, important to know who are the influences on someone with that, that much power. Do you think Melania Trump likes being first lady? Yes. Yes. You know, she has the grimace sometimes, that cold look. She looks trapped, as people of comedy skits have said. Um, and uh, so people talk about, you see her behind the scenes. I've seen this, like at a Be Best event. She'll be smiling and natural and happy, talking to kids. Then she walks out and she looks like someone has a gun to be behind her. You know, she looks like she's forced out. And when I was in both Milan, where she worked as a model, and in Slovenia, people said that in the 90s, uh, she was trained that way. You know, you were supposed to not smile um, and because you didn't want to, draw attention away from what you were modeling, the closure modeling. So, so some of it's how she was trained, but even more than that, um, you know, she won a, she came second in this very important modeling contest in Slovenia when she was 21. It's a big deal, right? It was nationally televised. There were, you know, hundreds of applicants. It was narrowed down to 10 finalists. She's tied for second place. I talked to many people there that night they said, you would never have known she won completely emotionless. And she was only 21. So some of it's just her. She doesn't show that she likes being first lady, but um, by all accounts, she, she likes to be where the action is. She loves meeting um, famous people. She loved meeting the Pope, the queen. Um, she gets to travel interesting places. Uh, yeah, I think she's, there's, I mean, she can't love everything because there's a lot of stuff online that we know she hates, but uh, I think she really en enjoys the White House. Did, do, to, to your knowledge, did she reach out to any previous first ladies to get any guidance or to talk about the job? And uh, does, she have a, does she have a circle of friends that she turns to for, for guidance? Or because she does seem, I got to say, she seems like a pretty isolated figure just looking at her what we see of her publicly. Yes, and I think this is too bad, really. I think that, um, I mean, I th she doesn't reach out enough. Um, she certainly hasn't reached out to Michelle Obama. Um, she has had tea with um, Laura Bush. 
Um, but it's, there's no, I talked even to Rosalind Carter, um, you know, who, who was talking about just what you said, Susan, like it is important. It is, you know, there are several living um, people who've been in this really unusual role, right? I mean, they're not elected, but they're so public. Um, and really her, her counsel is her mother um, and very few and Donald Trump. Um, think about how isolating that is. I think, I think that would be hard. Is there, is there a previous first lady that she wants to be like, that she's kind of modeling herself uh, in, in, the, in the mold of? She was asked that question. I think this is really interesting. She was asked this question in 1999 over and over because people forget that Trump was first publicly talking about running for president in 1999 and 2000. So I found, you know, some of them were not easy to find because they're not archived, but in uh, like George Magazine, for instance, there was a headline about the first babe. Like if Donald Trump won, she would be the first babe. And there were in Talk Magazine, I found um, this picture of her. She was wearing a bikini and lying on a rug with a presidential seal, uh, you know, in a mock Oval Office. So, you know, at the time people were joking about it. They didn't think Trump was serious. And yet there were these stories. But in these stories, um, uh, she was asked, who would she be like? And, and so while dressed in a bikini and, you know, about to lie on the rug for this photo, she said, I'd like to be traditional like Jackie Kennedy. Um, you know, she's over and over talked about Jackie Kennedy uh, clearly, there. Um, her mother, you know, who's who's brunette, very good looking, very elegant, um, was called when she was a factory worker by her friends Jackie because she was so elegant. And it's kind of an amazing story that the mom is now spends a lot of time in the White House in Jackie, you know, sitting in Jackie Kennedy's rose garden. It is, it, is a, it is a remarkable story. So the whole camp, the 2020 campaign has just gotten upended uh, by COVID-19. Uh, it's going to be a campaign like no modern campaign. What role did, do you think Melania Trump was intending to play in this campaign? Would it have been a bigger role than she played in 2016? Yeah. Now, given the new constraints, what should we expect to see from her uh, during this campaign? So we, we are waiting to see really how COVID's going to change it. But it was fairly big news that she announced again before COVID that she was going to go fundraise. I mean, oh my gosh, this woman who, you know, basically ceded that role to Ivanka to be the front center was going to do it. She has the most popular ratings. I think everyone knew even pre-COVID this was going to be a tough race. The Republicans wanted Melania her poll numbers are better. So she said she was going to go to Beverly Hills uh, at this big fundraiser and another fundraiser. Now, those have been canceled because of, of COVID, and she is far more careful and talking about wearing masks than her husband. So it's unclear what she's going to do, but it's, it's, she likes to cut videos, you know, kind of polished videos, because she likes to have control. So uh, I would pretty much guess that there'll be some campaign videos that Melania is doing, urging people to both donate and, and, um, and vote for Trump. Is she a political asset? Yes. I mean, if you talk to her campaign, yes, she's a big asset. Uh, she was huge during 2016. I mean, so I'm in Pennsylvania, right, after Access Hollywood. 
interviewing women that day, right? It was days to go to the vote. I, and I said, um, you know, what do you think of Melania right after Access Hollywood standing up? And, the, and they said, you know, she's so beautiful. This one woman said, she's so beautiful that it says something about Trump. You know, she could be with a lot of different people. He can't be that bad. She wouldn't put up with it. You know, I mean, so you hear she's definitely an asset in different ways. Do you think she wants him to win a second term? Well, you know, things are changing rapidly because now there's a eight foot fence, chain link fence around the White House. Um, and when I spent too much time since the 2016 campaign talking to people about that, um, most all of my most of my interviews um, were done before these latest protests, the racial in, um, problems in the country, the civil unrest, um, and this fence, right, that has all these Black Lives Matter. Um, and, and she, um, everyone I talked to said she wanted to win again. She doesn't like to lose. She is ambitious. She was upset about the impeachment. She, there was a bunker mentality where she hunkered down and wanted to fight, thought that a second term would um, vindicate the Trump name. Also, she was thinking of Barron. Um, if, if he wins another four years, it's kind of perfect because he's for him, she thought, because he's 14, four more years. He's, you know, don't, he's ready for college. Um, again, this is what people are telling me then. Um, I, I got to believe that, you know, that the recent events and all the protests and um, may, you know, may change. As I said, their relationship goes up and down. Uh, I thought it was very noticeable that she did not go across the street to that infamous um, night when there, there was tear gas clearing out protesters right in front of the White House. And then Trump came and held up a Bible and had a famous photo op. She was not there. I thought that was really interesting. It was interesting in your book uh, to read that she was an important voice urging him to run the first time. Yes. Uh, him to take That she took him seriously as a presidential contender when most of us were not. <laughs> well, that is a hundred. And that's why that's the bond. You know, Trump, uh, even his own lawyers were telling me, you know, Trump thinks about Trump. Trump likes people who think about Trump. Um, Melania thinks about Trump. And, and, and you know, he, she has been really um, his biggest supporter. She told him, for instance, um, that, you know, forget all these people that are mocking you. She believed that he could win. And that was really important to him. And she urged him to do it. And, you know, she, she is, I think it's fascinating that she um, came from another country. She reads a lot and it drives some people in the White House crazy because she finds all these, you know, critical things and she'll bring them to attention of Trump and then Trump will get upset. But her point is that she wants Trump to know who's on his side. They do have kind of the loyalists and the non-loyalists and people, you know, are upset that, Melania, you know, in one way, she's not elected, right? And she's just the influence. But, um, the, you know, it's, it's hard to know, like you were saying before, like, what, what am I supposed to think about this first lady? 
Um, is she really like Trump? Well, I get the answer with everything is complicated. She's like him in some ways and not in other ways. Yeah. Well, she support, she has been with him at the critical moments. And it is one of the things that surprises people about that. I think it's given her own history on immigration that she would be with a man who takes such a negative view of immigration when her, herself, her, her parents, her sister have all benefited by relatively open immigration to the United States. This is the most important thing to me. Um, and you'll see a lot about this in the book. Um, her, she helped her parents become U.S. citizens. And in the same week that they got their citizenship, Trump complained about what he called chain migration, which is exactly what Melania had just done, meaning that she had become a citizen and then helped her parents, you know, the chain of going down the family line. It is unbelievable that, that what, you know, it's helped his own immediate family and what he has said. Um, it's, he's made it harder for all kinds of immigrants to come to this country. Um, he's, he's really made a lot of the language really ugly about it. And I think that many extended family members in Slovenia are most upset about this. Um, now, Melania has had very tepid, but very clear distance from that, from him. Like she, first of all, you know, has said that she didn't want the border policy that separated kids at the border. She um, allowed her attorney to go on TV after her, the, the attorney that helped her parents to go on TV and, and be identified as Melania's attorney, blasting Trump her husband for what he was saying, how those ugly words, you know, but is it enough? I don't think it's enough for most people. They, they're disappointed that she hasn't said more. So far as you know, and you spent a long time working on this book, did her parents and herself and her sister come here following the rules when it came to immigration? Um, she did it's, it seems to me, according to, you know, the documents that I've seen, um, that she, she uh, the one thing that I, I, it's very complicated because it's very suspicious that she won't say the lawyer that was worked with her originally. You know, that's just a big flag. Trump doesn't give his tax documents. And that's a flag, right? You just feel like, why doesn't she lay out the documents? And it's a fair question. And a lot of immigration NGOs have said, look, immigration is centerpiece of his campaign, his whole, you know, Trump built the wall. So we, let's see what your wife did. She doesn't show us the papers. She doesn't tell us the lawyer. Um, and there are, um, the Associated Press did a terrific investigative piece where they, they got some ledgers that looks like when she first came to the country um, on a visitor's visa, which meant she could be legally here but wasn't supposed to work, that she had 10 jobs. Now, it was in a, like a six-week period, and then she immediately got her work visa. But again, you know, so in normal times, nobody would even look at this. But when your husband would throw somebody out of the country for doing exactly that, it's fair to say. It's fair to talk about. After her, that, once she did that, she followed all the other steps. And her, and her parents and her sister 
does it look like they followed the rules of the of the day well you know they got they had the money to get great lawyers and they had melania trump as you know helping them so they probably i think it's fair to say had a leg up but sure i mean this is the way the uh, america works right you immigrants come um you know it's hard to say melania hasn't done well she she came you know she lived in a modest apartment where you know she had a futon and now she has trump tower bedminster mar-a-lago and you know and they do well in america and then they bring some of their family members over that's the country we know it's so just, your book it's just that donald trump has said that he wants to change that i've got time just for for one last question of course, the art the art of her deal your book about melania talk it's not pro melania or anti it's a reporter's book uh, oh my so God. i i 100 percent don't want to make i'm didn't set out, have no interest in making a case for or against. So, but here's my reporter filling in the voids. Right. It's more trying to describe and explain this interesting, consequential, and little known figure. So as my last question, let me ask you, what kind of response have you gotten since the book came out and gotten a fair amount of attention? What kind of response have you gotten from the White House and from Team Trump? Um, I think just the public response is how you view her is colored by how you view him. So they don't want to even those who don't like him. And there are a lot who have intense dislike, just very hard for them even to like, she can't be with him. It's, you know, so there's that. How could you even write about it? And then those who like him are, are saying, how could you be so mean to her? Why did you talk about the fact that she, has, you know, exaggerated her um, resume. Um, so I'm getting hit from both sides. And again, I just think my job was just to get some documents, videos, actual facts about who this woman is. Um, the White House has, has it came out with a statement. It's all, all they said, there's no specifics. They just said, file it in the fiction genre. You know, I don't know. <laughs> there was no specific fact that no. they disputed. Yeah. I, I sent questions over to the White House uh, beginning seven months before publication, asking for fact checks, asking for another interview, asking to talk to other people, you know, nothing. They just would say, send me more questions. They wanted to know what I had. And I remember, like, I just wanted to know what day, what day in September, you said in September 1998, that Melania met Donald. Could you tell me what day it is? They won't even say that. You know, she likes the gaps. She likes the mystery. And I was just setting out to try to fill in those gaps. Well, thank you, Mary. Thanks for the conversation and thanks for writing this book. Thanks, Susan. It was fun. Thanks for listening to this week's Afterwards podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also send us an email at podcast at c-span.org.